Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is April 10th, 2020. I'm Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 194 where you can find a link to our sponsor, libertymugs.com. And also uh, check out our guest who Slappy will introduce right now. Thanks, Rallo. Our guest today is a return guest, J.W. Weatherman. Rallo and I heard him on another podcast recently, uh, the Tales from the Crypt podcast with Marty Bent. And we thought J.W. did an excellent job uh, discussing his heuristics um, of looking through the media, how to how to go through these articles, uh, in this case, particularly about the coronavirus, and decide what is what is correct or what he should think about these articles and we thought that was very interesting so we thought we would have jw on to talk about independent thinking critical thinking and and how to go through these uh these news stories so welcome back to the show jw thanks guys thanks for having me back it's uh, always fun to hang out yeah absolutely so yeah um there's been with with like slappy just said all the coronavirus stuff going on we're just like drinking from a fire hose with information. And this is, this is kind of a weird one because we know, or at least we, we, we're pretty sure. I think we're on the same page with how the media and government and, and all these powers to be are, are portraying this stuff that what they're giving us is kind of bunk. But at the same time, we don't, that doesn't prove to us that we, necessarily know what's about to happen but we still have to make decisions like we could say that the you know the the media reports on coronavirus is uh is absolute garbage but i know i'm not gonna sit here and say like well i know for a fact that it's not going to kill me right um but i still have to make a decision so yeah one of the one of the things that uh that i think people forget uh or that that you know, you hear people say like better safe than sorry. Right. And in a lot of cases that, that makes sense, right? Like probably better to wear a bike helmet, you know, I don't know. I didn't, when I was a kid, none of us did, but, uh, arguably better to throw in a bike helmet than not, you know, especially if you're going to be on the road. But in a lot of cases, it's not like just a better safe than sorry situation. We only have a limited amount of like time and energy, right? And even with a bike helmet, you could argue like, man, if I feel like a dork, I'm just not going to wear a bike. I'm not going to ride my bike, right? And then I'm going to get heart disease and that's a real threat, right? So it's always a balance between uh, two or multiple things, right? We have like finite time, finite resources, finite energy, uh, finite brain power, even to figure out what the right thing to do is in the first place. So it's not, uh, it's not just a matter of always being as safe as possible. It's a matter of balancing your risks. Um, so when the, you know, a perfect example of this is, um, I don't think the coronavirus is real. I think it's completely, uh, I think it's, you know, uh, uh, maybe a bad flu season. I'm not even sure. I think in the end of it, it might end up being like H1N1 where like right now, if you get the flu and they test you, there's a really good chance it's H1N1 and nobody cares. It's just the flu, but you know, years back, we called it the bird flu, and it was this huge, you know, terrifying experience for people that were paying attention. Uh, fortunately, back then, I was too busy to pay attention, and it didn't get quite this out of hand. But I remember it, you know, vaguely enough, and I've gone back and looked at the way that they presented that story, and it's not, it's not very different. 
Um, so I don't actually think that the virus is that big of a deal. I still have doubts, though, like because we're 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 working with really really crappy information, and I certainly have enough doubt to where if anybody says, "Hey, you know, this is really really bad," I don't I don't assume that they're idiots. There's a lot of smart people that think that this is really bad, but uh, but I still don't think it's really bad. And one of the things that that means for me practically is that I was just traveling. I was just on multiple plane rides. I had layovers. Um, I am already a germaphobe, so I would prefer to wear a mask in those sort of environments anywhere. I think that's disgusting uh, to get on a plane and touch a, you know, like uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's constantly thinking about like, you know, touching the doorknob and watching the guy that's making my food like a Seinfeld episode, you know, walk out uh, and not wash his hands, right? Like that's my normal life. So I really, in a way, I was kind of like, this is great. I get to wear a mask. I would have before if you freaks wouldn't have, you know, you, you non-hand-washing monsters wouldn't have uh, freaked out if I wore a mask. But um, but those environments are like the worst places to be right now if you're trying to avoid Corona. And I am trying to avoid Corona. I am like wearing the mask and taking all the precautions. But the other thing I'm balancing is uh, this is a really, there's some really weird stuff going on in the economy. It's a very uncertain time. Um, I never expected that we would see stuff like price controls and shortages on shelves in the United States um, for, you know, basic stuff like rice and canned foods. Um, I just found out today that, uh, that Walmart is rationing canned food, actually. So it's we're, we've gone beyond like price controls. My wife, uh, you know, I have a mess of kids. Um, and so when we buy anything, we, we don't buy three of them, right? And my wife put in a Walmart order and they said, you can only buy a total of eight cans food, canned foods of every kind, right? So she needed to get like a bunch of canned mushrooms and like some other stuff. And it, it was collective in the, in the shopping cart. You could only have eight Mm. total canned items um which is you know that's that's nothing i expected to see in my lifetime in, in america but that is because they've done price control so now they have to do rationing right. um because they can't the, the bottom line is they need to raise the prices on all, all these canned foods right the demand has gone up the supply hasn't snapped up as quickly as the demand has gone up so the prices need to go up that will suck more resources into that that production, right? Uh, people will be able to work overtime making canned food, right? Those factories that normally only run 10 hours a day will run 24 hours a day, right? Because beans are going for $3 a can instead of a dollar a can. But the price controls prevent that from happening. And so Walmart can't, they can't sell a ton of, of beans. Um, they really have a limited amount that they can get their hands on at the price that they're allowed legally to sell it at. So what that means is they have to ration it. Um, and if this continues, it'll go from rationing to there just won't be any beans on the shelf, right? Because people will get around the rationing. They'll put in multiple orders. You know, Uncle Joe will go pick up 14 people, throw them in the back of the van and go to Walmart and everybody will go in, you know, and get their eight cans so that, you know, somebody like me can actually get everything and, you know, pay a couple middlemen, right? So I can route around that stuff like a lot of folks would. But that results in bare shelves. And uh, I hope that's not where we're headed, but that's what I'm trying to balance. So for me, getting out of California, getting to a more rural place, buying some property has been a high priority. Um, and I was willing to take the risks of getting exposed to, uh, to the virus, um, uh, e even though, you know, I, I think, I guess the other, the other thing I should clarify is I don't. I'm not actually trying to prevent getting exposed to the virus because I don't think it's a real virus. Um, I might still like, you know, 
be a little extra precautious and wash my hands because you know maybe it's a bad flu year and there is a little bit of doubt in my mind that I've misjudged this thing, but it's all of the reaction to the virus that's affecting my life. So I have a I have a wife uh, that's pregnant. We have a baby due very soon, and um, uh, she talked to her doctor. And if she gives birth um, and then she has a fever, they will assume it's corona. They can't do an, an immediate test, and they'll quarantine my baby from my wife right after birth um over what i believe is the common cold but now i'm walking around like an idiot with a you know full-on hazmat suit when i gotta go on a flight so um i just realized that part of the story needed to be said or it didn't make any sense so it, it it's all the layers of nonsense that i'm dealing with uh even though i don't think it's a real virus um but you can see that there's so many things that you're balancing in that, right? Like better safe than sorry, better safe what of social unrest, of an economic downturn, of retirement accounts getting liquidated, or of this, you know, pandemic, or or of the doctors overreacting to this pandemic in a you know in a situation where my wife's giving birth. There's no there's no like uh, e- easy safe option. It's all trade offs. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's really any sort of risk analysis. Like you said, even with the the bicycle helmet, I mean, you could decide, hey, I don't want to you know, I should wear a bicycle helmet, but I don't want to because I look like a goober. So the 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 cost of that might be, well, I'm just not going to ride a bike. Um you know, that's kind of a silly example, but I mean, with stuff like this, it's pretty obvious we're seeing that the uh the cost of shutting everything down is <laughs> Like destroying the economy potentially, yeah. You're putting people out of work. I mean, it's 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 pretty serious. Um, I'm, I was kind of the same thing with you. With the, I remember the H1N1. I was a, I think it was a senior in college, and back then I was like listening to Rush Limbaugh and um, was more kind of a more of a neoconish person. But even back then, it was like I, I felt like it was oh Obama's trying to get you to take this vaccine and. Um, it's just panic to do whatever. And, you know, you had like half the country digging their heels in the ground and saying like, no, this isn't a big deal. It's just this, whatever this flu is. Um, it's not really, not really going to hurt us. Like you, you're trying to panic us into thinking it will. And, um, I mean, you look back at the numbers that were attributed to how many people around the world and even the United States got, got the H1N1. It was like a billion people around the world. Yeah. And like many, many, many people died. Yep. Um, and, and, so- and it was a mild flu year. Even, even with all of that, actually, if you go back, even though there were a ton of people that got infected and a ton of people that died, actually H1N1 turned out to be a more mild strain of the flu than average and was less deadly than average. But there was still all of that hype. So we could see that exact same thing now. People still, if you say the bird flu, they're like, oh, yeah, that was a bad one. No, mm-hmm. it was not a bad one. It was actually less bad than uh than the flu seasons before and after yeah and so that's that's been my from the beginning that's been my kind of my metric for how to judge this is that all right well let me compare it to that flu and so far (laughs) it's like i've been able to hold to that and be like all right well this probably isn't that uh you know for the for the normal population now obviously it really looks like there's old people people with pre-existing conditions and, and people that are elderly, it's, it's going to more, you know, harshly affect them. And so, all right, well, let's take those steps and, and, you know, maybe I'm not going to start visiting nursing homes while this is going around. Um, so it's like, 
I, it, it's just, it blows my mind that people can't even start like to segregate and segment and, and classify um, and putting people into different like risk buckets, like something simple like that. Like if you've got a pre-existing condition, especially a respiratory issue, then yeah, you, you, you know, it looks like you might not want to get this, whatever it is. But like, even, yeah. but on top of that, for me, not that I'm like, you know, looking doorknobs or anything and I'm someone who washes his hands, but from how you describe it, I'm not, uh, I'm not as nervous or thinking about it as much as you, you are in generally, but like, I'm all, I'm what I was kind of the last few days wondering, like, would it be the worst thing in the world if I got it? A lot of people think that they have it, have had it already, but I don't, I haven't had any of the, any of the symptoms, but assuming I didn't have it yet, would it be better if I got it? Because I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy. Um, basically no one in my age group has died. Would building up, if this is something different, um, would building up my immunity against this kind of sickness be better in the long run? Totally. I mean, it's a val it's everything that you just said is super like rational, right? Like let's, let's just take a step back and say that this is, and there's a lot of unknowns here and we don't know if the, how dangerous it is. Right. Um, I mean, most people right now think they know that it is super dangerous. Like at least it's the worst flu, uh, or loose worst pandemic, let's say, uh, year or whatever in the last 20 years, right? Like 99% of the public is convinced that that's definitely the case. Actually, that's probably not true. I think 99% of what appears to be going on, uh, but it's probably more like 50, 50. Like when you actually run into people and talk to them, mm -hmm. I'm surprised how many people are like, nah, dude, I think this is, I think this is way overhyped, but yeah. it's a little bit like, it feels a little bit like a red state, blue state thing. Like I'm in California, I'm near San Francisco. I work in high tech. So I'm used to not, you know, not letting people know if, if like, if Trump did anything slightly positive, like I know to keep my mouth shut, like I don't want to fight over that. You know, I'm not a fan of his anyway, but, but I know that I know the game, right? Uh, I know I'm, I'm going to be ostracized and it's not going to get anything done. So, um, but it feels a little bit like that where, you know, you get to know somebody even in San Francisco, actually you get to know them and they turn out to be like a really competent senior developer. There's a pretty good chance they're, they're, they're actually more of a fan of, you know, uh, libertarianism, you know, a little much more conservative, uh, than you would expect otherwise. So I kind of think that's a little bit of the dynamic going on here, but, but that being said, like it does appear that a lot of people are very terrified of this thing, but let's say that you are terrified of it and there's unknowns all of the things that you just laid out there just off the top of your head make perfect sense, right? Like, you know, things like, Hey, let's, let's wear masks when we're in public. Let's, um, let's encourage hand washing. Uh, if you are part of this elderly group, let's isolate you. Um, we know enough about like how communicable is the, like the, the common cold and the flu to know it's super, super hard to prevent it from spreading. Like most, uh, I think most epidemiologists will say like, you can't even try, right? Like it's not, it's not worth the effort to even try to prevent something that's that contagious from spreading. But, you know, let's, let's say that we're optimistic that, you know, that we can do this. Um, you would, you would do things like you just outlined, right? So you wouldn't say, okay, we're going to like the guy that is out cutting logs in the forest right now so that we can build needed housing. We're not going to send that dude home, right? If everything that we know is that he would do fine if he was exposed to the virus, it's not that big of a deal. 
because um, we kind of need housing, right? So you would let that guy work, and you know maybe his great grandmother. You would say, all right, she needs to be isolated, and we need to take like extreme measures, right? It's more than just um, uh, we're going to isolate them, but we're also going to like wash the groceries, any any goods and services, or any goods that show up at at this old person's home is going to be deep, deep, dipped in bleach and left out in the sun, right? There's all kinds of things that you could do that are not like crazy over the top but would actually be a whole lot more effective than just this weird sort of blanket shutdown. And that's, I think if there's anything that disturbs me, it's that. It's the, that the things that are being done just make no sense, right? So whether this is a real flu or you know real pandemic or just totally made up, the end result is these actions are totally nonsensical. And, uh, and the justification for them, like, which was a big part of what I was talking about on Marty's podcast, the justification for them is super thin and you can see that there, there's a lot of lying going on. So like these weird nonsensical actions, even if it is serious combined with a ton of lying, really, really, and, and combined with so many people either, either people that are kind of doing what I do in San Francisco when it comes to, you know, communism, right? Like socialism. I just like stay out of the conversation and kind of keep my head down. I think even if that's what's what a lot of people are doing, it's really disturbing that that's kind of where we're at, right? We're like smart people are just trying not to get killed by the mob. The mob is just completely in the hands of, I don't know. Well, they've become a mob, right? So I don't know if they're being manipulated and there's, you know, some puppet master involved or if the puppet masters are just trying to stay out of the way because this mob is just, you know, terrified and running rampant. Um, but either way, that is like, that's certainly reality, right? The cause of this, this situation we find ourselves in may or may not be a dangerous virus. It, it might just be combination of like social media and old media dying and you know just a bad moment in history where we just can't get good data and all of the all the you know information spreaders are incentivized to get clicks and they're just so desperate and stupid and there's been drain brain drain out of the old media like maybe that's all that's going on but even if that's all that's going on um this is a really you know disturbing kind of moment in history uh and it's it's really hard to know how to protect yourself at this point. Yeah, and I think that um, I think it's a good lesson for everyone to um, start to reflect on their on themselves and how they present evidence and how how we communicate ideas, especially you know as libertarians or Bitcoiners, people who are kind of on the fringe, and you know our ideas are probably going to get laughed at, um, even if they're a hundred percent true and accurate and logical. Um, so if we give, uh, if we say stuff that, that is also stupid and illogical and wrong, then it just makes it, makes it easier for someone to kind of toss away what we're saying. Like, um, you know, take nine 11 as an easy example. And, um, you know, I think most of us can agree that the U S government was ultimately responsible for it, um, because of their horrible foreign policy, um, in the Middle East, you know, with, with, with that kind of stuff going on. But then you have people saying like, well, well, uh, the jet fuel can't melt steel beams. And so, uh, therefore the towers couldn't have gone down by just having planes, uh, flying into them. Therefore, you know, Dick Cheney himself, uh, was flying in an F-16 and was shooting missiles and, and planted bombs in the building. And it's like, well, he may have done that. But by saying that jet fuel can't melt steel beams, 
um, like you're going to get laughed out of the room by anyone who has any sort of understanding of material science or solid mechanics because, you know, steel and other materials doesn't need to melt in order for it to lose its strength. Um, so much like with this coronavirus stuff, you, we can start to like get clues, even though we're not, ex- you, you know, you don't have to be an expert in this kind of stuff. It certainly helps. But um, just the other day I saw something um, with the, uh, there are, there are, because they they keep rolling back the numbers of the estimated deaths that they're predicting mm-hmm. um, from this within like less than a week it went from like they predicted ninety thousand now it's down to like thirty thousand in the U.S. and the one thing I noticed on this chart was predicting the deaths was that they were down to the single digit in the number of people they were predicting were going to die like it was like ninety thousand six hundred thirty two was yep. their estimate. And it's like, you, you're not even using significant figures. Right. Like, how how can you make a prediction when you're like, oh, we're really not sure, so we're going to throw out a number, and you're and you're that precise with it? That right there shows me that you're unqualified, that you don't even know how to manipulate statistical data. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think. Th- I mean, the one thing, even though there's a lot of uncertainty, the one thing that you do not want to give up on is logic, right? Like if um, the more uncertain the universe gets um, and the more sort of varied the behavior is of people around us and, uh, you know, the the more things don't make sense, the more we need to fall back on like what we do know and work our way up from there, like very first principles sort of approach, right? So one one of the first principles is, um, when you're trying to find out truth is like, who's trustworthy, right? Like who's, who's a reasonable source of information. And if, uh, if anybody is like paying attention, the answer is like, we don't have any right now, right? Like all of the government agencies have locked down on the data. Universities are, have been prohibited from doing testing. The FDA has been really aggressive about anybody experimenting with any form of testing being told, no, stop it. Um, destroy all all the work that you've done. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns, but I guess one of the knowns is that there isn't any trustworthy data at this point. So or there isn't any trustworthy sources. So then what we have to do is we have to look at the untrustworthy sources and basically you know act like a police interrogator, right? So you're sitting down with somebody you're pretty sure has con- committed murder. And you're asking them questions and you're not listening for, I didn't do it, right? You're not listening for the headline. You're listening for the qualification, right? So I didn't do it, but she was sleeping with my brother, right? Okay. You, you ignore the headline and you go after, okay, the qualification, there's probably some truth to that. That chick probably was sleeping with the dude's brother, right? So that's how you have to interface with the mainstream media. When they have a news story that says, you know, uh, 90,000, uh, you know, expected to die this year, you wait for the qualification of, um, yes, this is reduced from the estimated, I think it was over 200,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, this is reduced from the estimated 200,000 that we thought. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's, that's the part that you're looking for, right? You're not looking for, oh my gosh, 90,000 people are dying. Um, you're looking for the qualification of, we revised the number down by you know over 60%, right? And so you actually can get good news out of the bad news and, and truth out of the liars, but you gotta, you gotta go into it knowing what you're doing. Um, and in the same way that like, when you sit down with somebody that you know, has been uh, accused of murder, before you turn on the news, like make sure you've eaten something recently. Like you're, you're going in for a battle like they're, and they're really good at it. 
they're master manipulators and liars. And you know that their motivation is to terrorize and terrify you and confuse you and not give you good information um, and to deceive you. So, um, so I, I was talking about one of the tricks that I do is like, I just, I only want stuff that I can pause and I pause often because you know, these guys are, they're hitting you with information. They're hitting you with flashing lights. Um, and if you're, if you're reading, it's a little easier, but if you're watching, you know, uh, the news, you need to be able to pause it and say, okay, what did they actually just say? Right. And kind of be aware of yourself. All right. That freaks me out. So a, a good example is, um, one of the, one of the stories that came out, I don't know, two weeks ago or whatever, Tom Woods did a good job of calling this out as well. But the, uh, the headline was like, uh, something like, you know, healthy 40 year old, or maybe it didn't say healthy. Maybe they weren't that blatant, but the implication of the headline was like healthy, you know, man in his thirties dies of coronavirus. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, this, they go on to say like, you know, basically if you're in the high risk group, you know, you could die. Um, but even if you're not in the high risk group, we don't know that much. There's all this uncertainty. And now we have a healthy person that died. Um, but you know, you get into like paragraph nine and you find out the guy had been struggling with leukemia and you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, likely he was going to live anyway. Um, so you have to, sometimes it's a, it's a long slog and you have to like kind of manage your own emotions and deal with your own terror and try to try to look for the truth in it. Um, but it's not easy. It's definitely not easy and it's not getting any easier as the weeks go on. <laughs> Yeah, they they actually just did that again. There was some thir- there was a thirteen year old girl that recently died. Um, she was she has I forget the name of the disorder, but she gets like a lot of seizures. And actually, she was one of the people that was very instrumental in making it legal for like getting cannabinoid treatments for that kind of thing. And it's really helpful for people that that suffer from suffers from that condition. And right. so she. Uh, Within the last week, she passed away, and there are these articles saying, like, oh, she died of coronavirus, and she's only 13. And that's one where it was like, all right, they have to, because she was already kind of a famous person in, in certain circles, so they kind of have to mention her ex- pre-existing condition. And I was like, whoa, this is this is kind of crazy sounding. Um, did, is this really the coronavirus? Like, are, are they trying to do yeah. the same thing again? And, uh, you know, I saw this on Twitter and the next tweet was, you know, about 12 hours later and it says, oh, the, I think it was like the Colorado Sun or something. Uh, they revised the story to clarify what happened. Um, she was tested. She had tested negative for coronavirus, got discharged from the hospital because she had some sort of uh, thing flared up on her, got sick again. And when she went back in, they just treated her as a coronavirus patient. Right. And yep. it's like, yep. well, like. You're they're just you're lying. You're just lying through your through your teeth at us. But then the other thing, and I think this is also really important to mention, is that I do think that there are some journalists out there that do actually try and um, you know, they're trying to have some sort of integrity, but and I learned this really well from my the industry I work in with petrochemicals, because sometimes, you know, stuff happens to the plant plants that make the news that we're relying on these people in the media who are just as clueless as the rest of us are about a lot of the details and, and how to take the information they're getting and process it and analyze it in a way that's when they communicate it, that it makes sense and it's still accurate. There's like, I could, I had to stop reading articles about my company and industry because I, it's, it's like 
fingernails across a chalkboard with how bad and how wrong they get this stuff. And I don't think these people are trying to be evil. I don't think they have a bone to pick. Sometimes it's obvious they do, but other times it's just, they're just obviously ignorant. Yeah. And so we have to like, that's part, that's a part of the big thing too, is how do we taking information and realizing that it hasn't been twisted up in a bad way. And it's tough because, all right, you go to the primary source and especially if it's a really technical thing, we might not be able to (laughs) know much about it either. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, you know, part of the reason that it's really tough right now, and that's why I say like, it's kind of a difficult moment in history for stuff like this. Um, And part of the reason that I don't necessarily think that there's any conspiracy involved or the part of me, you know, I'm a little conflicted on that because the the testing uh, stuff has not made any sense, but, but the, the, uh, the reality or the context that we're, we're in is also that like these, these news outlets have experienced extreme brain drain, right? Like if you're an intelligent 25 year old, you're not going into, you're not, you're not going to be a journo, right? You're only going to be a journo if you're, if basically if there's something wrong with you and nobody else will accept you, right? Like you, you make a lot more money, you can have a lot bigger impact in so many different fields and everybody knows that. So it's expected that you're not going to have the brightest, you know, bulbs in the chandelier working at these places. And on top of that, they're, uh, they're getting worse every year, right? Like, so it'd be like going into, I don't know, uh, like who wants to apprentice to like make, uh, uh, buggies, you know, after the automobile was invented, right? Not, not the smartest people. And then on top of that, like budgets are getting cut constantly, right? Like buggy production is down left and right. Um, and, and that creates this uh, sort of chain reaction where the quality of buggies being produced probably goes down as well, right? Because you have stupider people that are working there and, you know, it's it's just not really much of an industry to be in. It has no future. And, uh, you know, so you end up with lower quality buggies and then people want buggies even less, right? Even the people that were on the margins that would have chosen a buggy over a car for whatever reason, cars aren't that good yet. So you see like the destruction of this old media industry and all of the sort of death rattles that go along with that. And that's been going on for, for a really long time. And then you pile on top of that politics where like the only people that are really going into these fields are also like, just, I mean, they're dumb and they're also dumb when it comes to economics and when it comes to just like life, right? These, these are people that are like social justice warriors, like just the sort of the most retarded people in our whole culture, right? Have a, a high tendency to go into this field. So there's so many different like things that could explain really bad reporting right now uh, from, from old media. And we see that at a, at a pretty big scale. Um, and then you also have social media that's just like shredding it, right? Like people are listening to this podcast uh, that probably, you know, if you add up all the little podcasts, um, it's nothing. I mean, it, it just blows away CNN, right? So, you know, it's not like we right now have a bigger audience than CNN, but podcasting, right? Like little podcasts have a much bigger audience than CNN. Um, so they're getting just beat up on all, all of these fronts because the internet is making them irrelevant. Um, so it really is like a dangerous time to try to get information. Um, but Uh, but that's, you know, that's again, why you got to just fall back on like really, you know, clear first principles. And another one of those is motive, right? So if, if you know that, um, if you know that the murderer doesn't want to go to jail, right, you take certain things that he says with a grain of salt. If you're listening to any mainstream media, and this applies to social media too, um, social media is just super immature. Like, 
we're basically at this point in history where the old media has reputation but doesn't deserve it anymore. It's all just riding on coattails. And uh, new media is doesn't have any sort of reputation system that is well established, right? Like we're we're figuring this out. Uh, but it's it's very clunky and it's very goofy. Like, what's what's the best metric, right? If you don't know somebody, like number of followers, that's not great. So we don't really have the software that people envisioned 20 years ago to replace the old media. But uh, but the old media is still, you know, they're going to die before before it exists. So we're in kind of this lull period. Um, but uh, sorry, I'm I'm a little tired. I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're, we're kind of in this, this nasty period where it's hard to find information, but if you're looking at mainstream media or even on Facebook, you have to know that these people are motivated to terrify you. Um, they're, they're motivated to get likes and retweets and clicks. Like every time there's a police shooting, every time there's a hurricane, like anything, it's always amplified, right? So if you're looking at this stuff, you should assume that if they're terrifying you, uh, it's, it's like the murderer saying, I didn't do it. Maybe he didn't do it, right? Maybe there is a hurricane that's going to eliminate the entire East Coast. Maybe this isn't the common cold, and it really is going to kill a ton of people. But you got to at least keep their motives in mind and go, well, probably not. Like, I know you're a liar, and I know that you're trying to scare me. Uh, you're highly motivated to scare me. So maybe it's a coincidence and you are telling me the truth right now, right? But probably not. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point to bring up. And also, you, you did kind of mention it too, that like maybe they're not lying. Maybe they're telling the truth. That's why it's important to not just be a reactionary. Like I've been noticing among the libertarian community that now they're saying like, oh, wearing masks, wearing a mask, is it doesn't work. It's like, well, yeah, it, it, it's a physical barrier. I mean, <laughs> you know, I... And because of, in, you know, in my industry, I have to wear a mask sometimes and I might be dead if I didn't, if masks didn't work. Um, and I've seen it like that it before when the government was saying, don't wear masks, they don't work. It was, they were all saying, oh, you should be wearing masks. And then as soon as the government turns, turns around and says like, no, everyone should be wearing masks. It's like, oh, you're so stupid if you wear a mask. It's like, well, if that's how you're, you're judging everything, you are owned by the people that you apparently hate because if you just are saying the opposite of whatever they're saying then doesn't like they're they're the social justice warriors it's the same thing as as anyone anything that trump does they're the opposite of and it's like you need to like use use everything we've talked about and like just i don't know apply some have have something other than just being a reactionary and and I don't know where I'm going here's, with that either. Here's a question for you. So <clears throat> I agree with you that I don't think this is any worse than a lot of other viruses we've had. And it is really killing certain people and certain demographics for sure. Uh, but everything I look at, uh, and Car Camp had put together a great report um, breaking down some of the data. Uh, I, I got to think the experts know this. Um, like this Dr. Fauci and what's the other one, Burks or whatever. Um, and all these, all these doctors at the news media, do you think they're lying or do you think they don't know? Or is it that they're paid by these corporate media outlets? And so they're going to have to, you know, get clicks, get eyeballs, whatever the case is. And 
why would governors be shutting down states? Like in Pennsylvania, our governor is insane. Yeah. They live on tax revenue and they're keeping people in their homes. Um, That's going to affect their tax revenue. They don't have a Federal Reserve Bank to print money. They're the state. So how do you explain that? Or what do you think they're just responding to the mob? I mean, yeah, so – so the, the first question was, like, why are all of these doctors on board? And, I, I mean, it's definitely been disturbing to me, but it's been, it's been disturbing to me, but I, I'm not totally unexpected because I've interacted with enough doctors over the years and had conversations with them uh, in enough detail to know that these guys are NPCs more mm-hmm. than not. Like, the... And but yeah, the, I agree general, with that. the general population, this ties into what Rolla was saying about masks. Like it is like it, it's expected, but it's still disturbing to see how many people are like, Oh, it's stupid to wear masks on both sides. Right. Like you're, you're they're either, they're either doing what uh, big daddy government is saying, or they're doing the opposite of what big daddy government is saying. And there, there's no brain, you know, chemical interaction going on here with, with reality, with the truth, right? It's all just very tribalistic. Um, and I do think that's a big part of, of what's, what's happening. I think that even though, you know, these like Dr. Fauci, I, it, I, it's a coin toss, whether he's just a total jackass or not in my mind. Like I, I have no idea. He's obviously articulate, but I've interacted with enough, like very articulate CEO type people that, are very surface. They can only sort of interact with data at a very high level. But if you actually dug in with these guys, like three questions in of a Socratic sort of conversation, it all breaks down and you just realize that this guy is a total NPC. Like he's playing a role. He's doing a really great job. You know, in some cases he's a billionaire because he's so good at it, but he has no idea what we do here. Right. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was in that category, especially the more, the, the more promoted these guys are in a very political environment like government, the less likely it is actually that they're, that they're technically competent. Um, so I think there's a big, there's a big part of that going on. So you've, you've got like a lot of NPCs and a lot of tribalism. Um, and then, uh, and then the, the other part of your question was like, why are the governors shutting down the state? I think there's a couple possible explanations. One is that, like the best thing that can happen to a government or a governor is for him to get the like state of emergency, uh, federal state of emergency on his state. Right. It, like mm-hmm. he, he's just like an overnight billionaire. Right. Like they just pour tons of federal money right down his throat and he gets to distribute it, you know, as he sees fit in an emergency situation. Right. So he's got like all this leeway, all the, you know, the, the bureaucracy is not that big of a problem. Like if you're into corruption, and you're a governor, which probably means you're into corruption. That's like, that's the lottery, right? Like that's the whole reason that you want to become a governor, I think is to have some kind of an emergency where you get all this federal money to slosh around. Um, and you see that like every year with hurricanes you know, on the, on the East coast, right? Like uh, hurricanes coming, it's always something they've never seen before or like earthquakes in California. Like they're always on the verge of the big one and they just got to have that federal money to shore up the bridges or everybody's going to die. Um, so I think that there's definitely a lot of that going on. Um, but the other part of it is that once you get a mob going, that they, they take on a life of their own, right? So I think we saw this with Trump where initially he was like, no, it's a cold, it's not a big deal. You guys are freaking out about nothing. And then he had to pivot 
And I think that he had to change directions and say, no, this is really, really dangerous. And we're going to take these blanket measures and do all this, you know, ham fisted stuff. Um, I think it was because he probably looked at some polls and did some research and realized like he didn't have the political capital to push the mob or to fight the mob. He better get on it and ride it like the crazy donkey that it is. So I think there's probably an element of that going on as well. Um, like a big element of that going on. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, like these politicians, they would do that regardless, whether it's real or not, whether they think it's real and it's not real, or they think it's not real and it is real. Mm -hmm. Like all of that is secondary to what do the polls say? Like, Absolutely. are people going to like me more if I do this or not? That's the only thing they really care about. Um, cause that's the only thing that keeps them, uh, in a position to like take better care of their own families. Right. So in a way we're really asking a lot of these guys to even pretend they give a crap about whether Corona is real when they're shutting down the state. Cause it's not in their best interest to care about the answer to that question. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Fauci a few months ago, he, there's a clip that's floating around of him on like, I, I forget what it was like CNN, MSNBC, one of those types of, uh, cable news and he was saying that it was like yeah this is we don't really need to take do anything with the coronavirus any more than we would with like the normal flu season it's really not that big of a deal now he's literally saying um we should probably not shake like shaking hands should be something that should never happen anymore like we should do yeah. away with that custom and it's like well he's either you know lying and you know drumming this stuff up for that what we what you just said or he's totally absolutely incompetent and shouldn't be in the position that he's in because he missed that badly yeah well you know what's funny though is like if he is so stupid if he's the combination of so stupid that he believes this um or so malleable right like so like in tune with the mob um, but also like so intelligent that he can appear intelligent, he would be the perfect person for that job, right? Like if you were Trump, that's who you would want in that position. And everybody, you know, that he's interacted with over time, like it's like uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, you know, in the, the concept of like in the market, we compete to produce goods and in, uh, you know, I don't know what he, what is he called? The anti-market or whatever, right? Basically in government or in, in politics, um, you know, we can compete to produce bads and he would be the perfect person for the role to be, uh, to be the right combination of like kind of malleable and stupid and attuned with the mob and also appearing intelligent to appease, you know, uh, the few alpha males that are out there that are actually having to interact with nature instead of just, you know, the hierarchy. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that's what we got. Right. And so if I had to put money on it, I'd probably, you know, give you eight to 10 odds that he actually believes that we should end that custom. He actually believes that, you know, this is really dangerous. And, uh, you know, if you, if you were to sort of hit him with Socratic questions, if you could get a couple beers into him, you know, pretty quick, you just realize the guy just, there's no substance there. You can't drill down a couple layers. You, you see that with Trump, right? Like, Trump, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping, oh man, he's got kind of a, a libertarian bent to him. He seems to, and then, you know, you drill down a couple layers and you're just like, this is total <laughs> madness, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but that's who you would expect to become elected as president because uh, he would, he would be appealing to the largest number of people, but also be somebody that uh, would take most advantage of the office, right? So it would make, make it that much easier for him to raise money from people that expect to be able to, you know, get some favors and get some good stuff done. Like a, a real principled guy is not going to be great at, you know, raising money. No. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like 
Trump is the guy, and we all have friends like this. We all know people like this that you could sit down with them and and talk through a subject or present present some some word of argument, and he'll leave that being like, "I absolutely agree with you." Wow, it makes so much sense. And then two seconds later, someone else talks to him, and it's and he's 180 degrees. It's just the last thing that's been said to him is the greatest thing in the world, and that that is Trump. Totally, <laughs> that's what totally. it seems like. But in a way, they're playing like a different game, right? And they're they're it's almost like they're smarter than us, and they're playing the meta game, right? We're we're trying to figure out, uh, for example, is COVID real? And they're going, it doesn't matter if it's real. What's the mob going to do, right? The yep. reality is that uh, not only for me, but for you, if I don't stay ahead of this mob, um, I mean, you you can. De- it's definitely a Machiavellian sort of justification in a lot of this stuff. And for me, it has to be like. Uh, the reason that I can't engage in that is because I have a religious line, right? Like I believe that God exists and that he will, he will not reward me if I engage in evil and justify it. But if I didn't have that, I would easily be able to make the case like, look, man, you're better off with me running the show than with somebody else. Cause you know, I don't totally hate you. Um, and, uh, and if, you know, if you want me just to interact with the truth, I'll be out of office next week, right? That's, that's not how this works. I have to do what's popular and I have to do what's popular all the time, better than everybody else that's trying to do what's popular or I get replaced. So, um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a nasty spot to be in because all of all the things that we're relying on are like basically like mafia members, right? Like what is, is COVID real or not? Well, we can ask Tony Soprano or we can ask like, you know, Bobby two legs. Um, well, what about, what about like, I don't know, somebody that's like an independent doctor. No, no. He works for Bobby two legs. (laughs) Those are our options. (laughs) So it's, it's a nasty spot to be in. I, I am optimistic about the future in the sense that I do think, you know, the internet is establishing reputation systems and we are figuring out how to, um, how to replace the old media. But so like, I do believe that we're in an upgrade, right? Like we're in the middle of a software upgrade and it's a good one. Um, but during a software upgrade, everything works worse than it did, you know, before you started. And I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Cool. So I know we're running up on time, but I I was gonna, that's actually kind of a good spot to leave it. How how long do you think until the internet, how long do you think the mainstream media, the corporate media gets replaced anytime soon, like in the next couple of years? Do you think it's always going to be around? You think we're actually going to do away with it? I think in a lot of ways it's already dead. Um, yeah. So, but as far as like, um, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Like what, what does PewDiePie get for views? Like 50 million views, I think. Um, I think CNN gets like 3000 views. Uh, so I don't know when that number, like, I don't know what, I couldn't tell you within an order of magnitude, what percentage of views CNN gets compared to PewDiePie. That's how big it is already. It's a lot less. Than That's one. true. That's a so, good point. So in a lot of ways it's already dead. Um, as far as when we'll have uh, good information systems, I think, I think part of the reason that I'm really into Bitcoin is that I think that the name of the game right now is, but it's so profitable to run a central bank that it it's inevitable that central banks rule the world, right? Like it's, it's the most profit. If you just looked at it, like if you take ethics out of it, running a central bank is the most profitable business model that, that exists, you know, on the, on the globe today. Right. And when, when that's the case, you're going to get like the central bank basically running things. And so they're going to be, you know, basically funding media, owning media, you know, mm-hmm. you, you basically it's, it's a, it's a political class run system 
Um, it's a system of slavery, right? Where we're all forced to use this currency and the slave owners get to extract our wealth. And uh, so all that means that all the downstream incentives are going to be perverse as a result of that, right? Like if you're, if you're a, a media outlet, the most important thing to do is to stay on the good side of the political class that runs the Federal Reserve because they're the ones that basically can manipulate your stock price. Everybody on the board of directors knows that if there's going to be a downturn, the guys that are connected politically are going to know it first. And so you're able to, to move into cash uh, instead of get wrecked. Um, so it's not really even about, for example, if I own CNN, I'm far less concerned about like viewer count and quality and maybe getting a subscription model going than I am about keeping the political class happy because they're at the money spigot. And if I'm not connected to that, I'm screwed no matter whatever else is going on. Right. So I think until that goes away, it's going to be really hard for these other systems to come online. Um, but I do think that, uh, I do think we're getting closer and closer to that. I mean, I, I think two years ago, I said 15 years, I still feel good about a 13 year estimate for Bitcoin becoming global money. At that point, you don't have the federal reserve manipulating the, the stock market and rewarding all these people. And I think at that point there is room for, uh, people like you guys to get five or 10 bucks a month out of people that provide the news. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, then, then we'll actually see a lot of, uh, healthy competition and, and reputations being established and stuff like that. But right now there's just so much money coming out of that central bank being poured onto, you know, the basically cronies that it's very hard to replace that system, but it is happening. I mean, the, the viewer count is reflecting that and, um, we're making like, we're making kind of scary progress in that direction. Um, and, and on some measures, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, I'll say within 13 years, we don't have a central bank anymore and we have reputation systems so that the next COVID that comes along, we actually get real data. I like it. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we want to, want to respect your time, JW. Thanks for coming on. Uh, best of luck with the, uh, the birth of your child and, uh, yes. with, with the whole move and with, uh, with you moving to out in the middle of nowhere, I'm sure that you're going to be in the market for a tractor. So, um, <laughs> absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's on the list. Yeah. John, hey, did you want to, uh, sorry to cut you off there, Raul, but I was going to say, did you want to plug MathBot? Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. Check out uh, MathBot. That's a, uh, that's a project that I've been working on with my son and some other good guys, um, for, uh, for, Geez, uh, pretty pretty intensely for a couple of years now. So uh, the, the basic idea is it teaches kids it teaches kids math and programming. Uh, if you're if you're homeschooling for the first time, it's a great great resource. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just mathbot.com. Uh, you move a robot around the screen and and uh, you learn some pretty advanced math and programming concepts and have a good time. And uh, soon, even though it's taken like way longer than we thought, soon we'll have Bitcoin rewards in so that when kids pass levels. Um, you know, their parents can sponsor them and they can get a nickel or something for learning how to do a square root. So uh, check it out. That's coming soon. Um, and uh, we'll make it a lot more fun. Yeah. Now that uh, kids are home and having to get homeschooled because the, uh, that's the one good thing maybe about the uh, shutting everything 100% down. 100% of kids are homeschooled yeah. now. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of parents, I'm hoping a lot, I mean, some are obviously going to be really frustrated because uh, they're having to parent for the first time. But I think there's going to be a lot of parents that are going to realize their kids are doing better, uh, not in the uh, not in the cage. 
and uh, take him out. So that could be uh, that could be very good. Overall, I, I still am optimistic that even COVID is going to accelerate things and send us in the right direction. All right. Well, JW, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome anytime. Awesome. Thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. See yeah, you. Guys. Thanks, JW. See ya. All right. So we let uh, JW go. Um, because he was kind of a crunch for time, but we wanted to still give you a free market success story. Uh, during these frustrating times, we want to always try to leave on a positive note at least. So I do have one. I've actually had this in the chamber for a while, but since we've been having a lot of guests and other people and other ideas for free market success stories, I haven't uh, been able to say this one. But um, I did. Uh, I put some seeds, started some seeds for my garden uh, a few weeks ago, and... You know, sometimes with some of these seeds, especially with like the herbs and stuff, they have like very, very tiny seeds. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of difficult to even like see where they are, especially if they're like brown or black. You put them in the dirt or little pod you're using and you don't have any idea where they went. So what they started doing for some of these seeds is they dyed them. So and put these like kind of like bigger kind of almost shell over top of them. So now you can like really see what you're doing a lot easier. You're not trying to, you know, guess or figure out what's going on. You're not trying to kind of fly so, blind be like, did I completely miss? Did I even get seeds in my hand? So it's a little. Is that like, like seeds? So I, I'm, I'm now a gardener. Yes, by I know. Way. You but did, you did you successfully talking... um, get some seedlings so far. Yeah. And I'm going to transfer them into a pot of dirt uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. We're going to do that, me and my kids. Um, yeah. So anyway, how small are we talking? Is this like poppy seeds on a bagel small? Smaller than that sometimes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it can get um, kind of tedious. It's like almost looks like sand. Like how small are these things? <laughs> Smaller than sand. Smaller than I want to say like maybe like <laughs> rosemary or thyme. Someone's probably going to but, – but like there's, there's a couple herbs that are uh, – that it, it's just like – the smallest little black speck you can imagine. Nice. All right, cool. I just was curious. Yeah. So uh, I have, speaking of, of the garden, I have, I am basically like ripping up the, uh, I'm halfway through, not even halfway through, but through the process of ripping up my uh, um, raised beds, because I'm actually going to really like enclose the garden and I'm fixing the fence again. I hope that this year I actually like finish all that stuff in there. And then in the areas between it, I want to have gravel in there um, and not having to fight weeds that are growing up around everything. So um, trying to make that final little improvement and kind of just not have to work on it anymore. I can just focus on the uh, just doing the gardening moving forward and then start going in other parts of the yard that, uh, that require my attention. It'd also be nice to not be spending so much money on it because uh, lumber and welded wire fence and everything else can get pretty expensive pretty quick. I want to build one of those things that Jared did that, I guess, raised Oh, the bed, raised, raised bed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that looked really cool. And yeah. it looked like I, it's something that box. I could handle. Yeah. Yeah. And I could put that on my deck in the back mm-hmm. and that would be ideal. Yeah, I'm probably going to build something like that because I want to have like little random stuff around too. Um, I took the the weird bird cage out from the middle of the uh, 
Oh, you did? Yeah, I'm going to put that somewhere else. Just because... Put that in the basement, keep... Nah, I can't fit... I, I don't even know uh. if I could ever even fit that in the house. I couldn't fit it in the house. There would be no way to even get it in. No, yeah. I'll put like a, a small box or maybe some like planters in the middle where there's the empty space in there. What I wanted to do was have grapes grow up the side of it, which would be kind of neat. Um, yeah. But it just wasn't... Part of the problem is it's since it's like a metal thing and it's, I don't know. Large? Yeah, and 150 pounds. It just yeah. rips right through like the uh, like the weed barrier fabric I had in there. Right. And so it's just, I'd be constantly fighting the weeds down there. So maybe I'll put it, make like a little stone pads for it or something. Because I do want to grow grapes. I, mean, well, I do want to grow a lot of grapes somewhere. Um, actually more in the front front side yard where it should get sun. Um, pretty consistently throughout the day. But yeah. And then too, since we're on the subject, um, part of the, uh, I'm clearing some of the side of the yard out where all the overgrowth that happened from the, uh, the neighbor's property that got cleared out. So, uh, there's a spot where I'm, I'm clearing everything out and it kind of had some trees falling on it and things falling apart and I'm clearing the vines and brush out from everywhere. And I noticed too that, um, just from all like the pine needles and and from like the fir trees and everything and and the trees deteriorating deteriorating in there, it's actually really nice soil there now. The rest mm. of my yard is like clay and it's awful, uh, but this is actually like pretty nice. So I'm gonna turn that into the uh, probably like the pumpkin watermelon patch because I did I did the pumpkin patch a few years ago right behind my house next to the patio and it took over the entire fifteen by twenty five foot patio. Among other things, so it uh, <laughs> it's uh, this will be a better spot for it. I don't have to climb. Can you like back. guide them, or do they just grow where they grow? Um, pumpkins. Like if you put a, yeah, like if you put like you can. I mean, kind of guy, but they it just it grows so aggressively. Yeah, that it's tough. Um, I'm going to try to guide it because I don't want it going everywhere. I'll put, maybe like put like I have some spare uh pieces of the welded wire fence so i might kind of make like a step kind of thing with that almost like a kind of like a trellis so it can climb up Mm -hmm. that way so it doesn't have as much horizontal length some of the growth will go up i want to do that because i'll probably put cantaloupes and the watermelon back there too and you kind of don't want especially the cantaloupes if they're sitting directly on the ground they can kind of get you know nasty from yeah, just being on the ground. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, again, you know, not yeah. getting any air or light or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You have this, like, beautiful cantaloupe. They're like, oh, I could pick this. And then when you grab it and reach underneath Turn it, it your, it's hand, like nasty. your hand goes right through it. Yeah. So, big plans. Uh, yeah, so. good stuff. Yeah, so before we turn this into uh, the second half, <laughs> another, like, 45 minutes talking about gardening, we will wrap it up there. Um we will uh, link to mathbot.com on the show notes page as well as uh, JW's uh, Twitter handle so you can follow him there if you're not already. And also check out libertymugs.com. Um, as of right now, we're still getting orders out. Um, looks like it might. It's a little bit slow with them getting it out, but mm-hmm. it's still happening. Um, you know, if something goes gets weird with that, uh, you know, work with us if you put an order in if there's a long delay if you'd rather you know 
get your money back. That's fine. If you're willing to wait, you can do that. But um, we'll, we'll work with you um, through this. And, uh, yeah, the best thing you could do for us, too, is to uh, share this podcast out with family, friends, anyone who thinks is going to find this useful. I think this is a good episode. I think you can kind of – we did go on the libertarian bends a little bit and, and talk about stuff. Um, but I think it's generally was a good episode just to talk about um, – yeah, how to think through this stuff. And, and it's there's a lot of smart people out there, a lot of good people out there that, um, you know, you get information overload, um, get a lot of people saying a lot of contradictory things, and how do you parse through all this stuff? So uh, I think JW is a really good resource for, for kind of talking through that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think he's, I think it's valuable to get out and share, share to people. Help them, help them think through this stuff. And you know what? It's okay to be wrong. Um, we didn't really talk about this too much during the episode, but, um, you know, use logic, use facts you can get. Um, try to piece everything together. Occam's razor is a good tool to use. But you know what? Some, you might be wrong sometimes. Um, and that's okay. Um, better to be wrong for the right reasons than uh, right for the wrong reasons within within reason of course <laughs> but uh <laughs> well it's because it's it's what do you think the chances of you because you don't want to just like look at one situation one decision one analysis that you make and then base that approach off that one thing because you could just happen to the one that you pick you could be wrong on that one, um, but that approach will probably land you in a good spot, you know, 95% of the time, but you happen to be judging you on that one 5% thing. Um, so, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, careful treading through the facts. Yes. Have fun with it. Indeed. Indeed. So, all right. I'll, I'll quit my rambling, and uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Peace.